Well, welcome to the latest On The Couch episode. My name is Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. And as you know, this is an occasional podcast with a series of chats with fund managers, CEOs and brokers. And this afternoon, I'm really, really lucky to be joined on the couch by Mr. Paul Rennie, the founder and executive chairman at Paradigm Pharmaceuticals. And Paul is a recognized leading authority in drug development, and he has been involved in a number of preclinical and clinical trial programs over his accomplished career. And he's very, very generously spared us some time this afternoon. I know he's off to the States, so that's pretty exciting. And uh, we're really grateful to have you here, Paul, to talk about Paradigm. Well, thank you, Henry, and thank you very much for the very kind introduction, and it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you for coming on. Just before we do start, though, just remember, anyone that's out there listening, this is general advice only, so please do your own research, contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas, or insights or anything we discussed today with Paul. All right, Paul, um, what about Paradigm? Run us through a, a brief sort of uh, synopsis of what Paradigm does and the the, the use and the, the, the treatment that it's trying to uh, create in terms of uh, alleviating people's medical problems. Yes, thanks, Henry. Uh, so Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals is known as a clinical development company. So we are undertaking clinical trials uh, with the drug that is aimed at alleviating the symptoms of osteoarthritis, which is primarily pain and joint stiffness. So we are now in a global phase three clinical trial. So some of your listeners may realize that the uh, stages to getting a drug registered and going onto the market requires three major stages, a phase one study, a phase two, and then a phase three study. So phase three studies are really the last group of studies that need to be conducted by a company before the product is assessed to be safe and effective and therefore then registered by the regulatory authorities around the world. And once registered, it can then be um, taken up and uh, prescribed by doctors and used by patients around the world. Uh, phase three trials usually send a bit of a shiver down uh, some investors' spines because they tend to be quite expensive. Mm -hmm. And at some, at some, you know, they would argue that maybe they're a bit of a binary outcome by the time you get to pay, uh, phase three. Mm -hmm. uh, how's your phase three trial going? And uh, when do we expect to see the uh, completion of that? Yes, well, um, it's a very good uh, question, Henry. And uh, I understand that some people may be a little bit concerned when they hear phase three in terms of their, their time and their expense. But the idea behind it is as you pass through from phase one to phase two to phase three, you generally see the numbers of participants in the trial significantly increase and the range of information that is required also increases. So it does take longer and it does take more money. Um, but having said that, uh, Paradigm is progressing well through its global phase three clinical study. We have uh, around the globe at the moment, close to 70 sites, um, mostly in the United States at this stage, but we do have sites in Australia, Canada, UK and Europe. So overall, yes, it is a large study, but the regulators require you to make sure that you have adequate numbers from uh, different ethnic populations in a phase three study to make sure there's no differences um, in, in the um, genetics 
and, and the drug responds in the same way across a range of different ethnicities um, and a different a range of different geographical regions. So it is a large study, uh, it does take time, but we're progressing well through that study at the moment. Uh, we are uh, close to meeting our, um, our targets in terms of the number of patients recruited. And we hope to have finished all of the phase threes by the middle uh, of calendar year 2025. So we're not that far away from uh, reaching our final endpoint. Uh, so that means that we would then have discussions with the agencies um, at the end of 2025 and then hope to see the drug on the market shortly thereafter. Of course, what that means to fund managers while they um, would worry about the cost of a phase three trial uh, and the time of a phase three trial. In our case, um, we are much closer than many other uh, biopharmaceutical or pharmaceutical companies in Australia to that registration endpoint. And that should then bring a very big smile to a lot of fund managers' uh, faces because registration means the starting of generating significant earnings uh, for the company and therefore we are no longer um, in a position where we have to raise funds from the public markets. We should be in a position to raise a lot of money through the sales and marketing of the product itself. And this is a massive opportunity, Paul. Am I, I mean, this is a huge opportunity globally, isn't it, uh, with osteoarthritis? It, um, yeah. It kind of makes your eyes water a little bit. Well, it, it does, Henry, and sometimes we talk to people about the size of the market and it's really um, uh, staggering to see people's responses. Uh, uh, there are roughly 300, me uh, 300 million people worldwide uh, suffering from osteoarthritis and, uh, to be honest, the... Uh, available therapies for all of those people are very limited. And I think anyone who works in the, uh, the field of osteoarthritis would recognise that there is a significant dearth of safe and effective medications for all of these people. At the moment, there are some medications that treat the symptoms in the early stages of the disease, but as the disease progresses, those drugs are really no longer effective and then a lot of people are left without any real adequate uh, pain relief and uh, uh, relief of their stiff joints and it really starts to limit the uh, activity of a lot of people and as we get older we, we hear that it's very important not only for weight control but also for staving off some of the chronic diseases like Alzheimer's to keep our exercise up at a regular level and, you know, once uh, you're starting to feel significant pain when moving, um, you know, you're less likely to necessarily take that exercise. And so it has a, a, a downward effect on a lot of people's mood and things like that. So it's, it's a massive um, opportunity, as you say, in terms of the number of people, but also a massive opportunity in terms of if a drug is safe and effective and can treat these people with osteoarthritis, what a wonderful outcome for all of those people around the world. Mm. Uh, when, when you're doing the phase three trial, do you submit those results to um, multiple countries like the FDA, TGA, and they, they it's the same kind of process uh, for all of the different jurisdictions where you'd like to sell the drug? Yes, exactly, Henry. And one of the steps that we've taken to, to really um, fast track, if you like, the uh, 
um, registration, all those jurisdictions, is that we have spoken to them all before we started our trial to get in principle agreement that the protocols and the results that we will be submitting will be satisfactory to those regulators for approval in each of those countries. Now, that's a step mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it's, it's a result of the very experienced people that we have at Paradigm working on the program to be able to say you, you get that uh, preliminary approval up front and then you go to those regulators and you get almost simultaneous um, approval. So it's a very important step to also think about when you're looking at a company, has the company had meetings with the Europeans and also the Americans and also the Australian regulators and got clearance on the study design and assuming all the data is collected according to protocol, will it be a, um, a, a, a data set that is supporting a registration in each of those countries at the same time? Yeah, um, obviously very important. Now, one of the things you do stress, uh, looking through your website, is that um, you're approaching, I guess, the drug development and treatment from a different angle. Mm -hmm. what, what, why do you see yourselves as approaching this from a different angle? What, 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 what I guess, what's the difference yeah. between you and uh, some of the other pharmaceutical or biotechs out there uh, taking their angle? Yeah, sure, Henry. So what Paradigm has done is we have... Uh, through good planning and also a lot of good luck, um, been able to work with a drug called pentazan polysulfate sodium, which we have trademarked as xylosol. And xylosol has been uh, used in humans for over 60 years. So one of the things that we are doing is rather than starting from scratch with a molecule that has never been exposed to humans, we're starting with a drug that has been exposed to humans for a long period of time. What does that mean? What it means is we generally start our studies at a phase two level rather than phase one, because phase one is testing the drug for the first time in humans. So we can say yeah. to the regulators, the drug has been used in humans for over 60 years. We'd like to go straight into phase two, which they've agreed with. So that is um, a very important point. I think the other important point that something that Paradigm has done quite differently to other drug companies is that we have continued to do uh, studies with our drug in humans, whether it be through um, ongoing phase two studies as we accumulate new information, we go back and do another study, and we're constantly providing the market with updated information about how the drug is performing. And one of the great things that we've been able to demonstrate to our investors is that over a period of time, we have hundreds of results, thousands of data points from people who've been treated with the drug, who have osteoarthritis, who are at a similar stage of their osteoarthritis to the subjects that we're treating in phase three. And we can give some data which is uh, published and then uh, explain to uh, our investors that the data we're getting is incredibly consistent from one phase two study to the next phase two study and that is giving them some degree of confidence as we go forward. Because as you mentioned earlier, some fund managers might say, well, phase three is very binary. I think phase three is very binary for a drug that has never been exposed to humans previously. But if you are exposing your drug regularly through phase two studies and also 
through a program which we've utilised here in Australia called the Therapeutic Goods Administration Special Access Scheme, or SAS. We've been able to accumulate exposure data from up to 800 subjects, and over a period of time, we've developed a very clear and consistent result from people who have moderate to severe osteoarthritis, and we've seen the, the, the data uh, show very similar results from one cohort or one group of subjects to the next group of subjects. And that's very often not seen with, with new drug development. Generally, you raise the money, you go into a period where you have no news flow for investors, you design your phase one study, you do your phase one study, you go into phase two, then you go into phase three, and then it's a binary outcome. So we, mm. we believe that we've done things differently by taking a drug that has been exposed to humans previously, using it in patients with the same indication that we're testing in a phase three study and publishing data to show that the drug is working in that indication. And we would hope that um, with the consistent results that we see, that we would not necessarily have a um, unknown outcome at the end of phase three. We would like to think that we could be more confident given that we've seen some preliminary evidence uh, albeit in phase two not yet phase three but certainly some preliminary evidence around the safety and efficacy of the drug over many years now so so this drug pentasan polysulfate sodium pps what what was it used traditionally for i guess over the, the previous 60 years yes it was used initially as an antithrombotic agent or a, a, a drug to reduce the amount of blood clots. So it was very often okay. used as a, um, a treatment for people who might be susceptible to deep vein thrombosis. Um, but it had over the years found a very uh, significant niche in the veterinary industry for treating um, performance animals, um, uh, equestrian uh, horses or racing horses or uh, working uh, canines working dogs uh, who suffered also from musculoskeletal injuries. It could be lameness, it could be osteoarthritis, and a whole range of other uh, conditions that would lead, leave the animal to be lame and, and obviously showing very significant uh, pain and unable to um, have a normal gait or walking style. So the uh, drug has had very significant use in uh, large animals for a long period of time with very good results. And I know many, many people, when they uh, come to a trial, they often say, oh, this is the, the, the same drug that my my uh, border collie got treated with years ago, uh, couldn't <laughs> walk and then got treated with the drug and is now running around like a puppy. And, yeah. uh, you know, we said that, yes, well, that's it's a very similar drug, but this drug is designed specifically for human use. So, so obviously this drug is off patent and you've added some secret special sauce to it yes. uh, for human use. So there's, there's no way um, a competitor can come along and just go, you know what, we'll just stick our label on it and we'll call PPS whatever yeah. and we'll use it because now it's basically free and clear. We can, you know, we can just jump on your shoulders. Yes effectively and, and, and piggyback from there. Exactly. So intellectual property and, and the, the protection of the asset is a very key component to what we do. It's a very complex molecule to manufacture and 
the company that first identified and manufactured pentazan polysulfate sodium for the very first time is a, a company in Germany called Bene Pharmachem. So Bene Pharmachem yeah. entered into an agreement with Paradigm and we have exclusive supply to their, their drug. So we then take their drug and, as you say, we apply some uh, intellectual property trade secrets into producing the product that can then be used for injection into humans. And we own a lot of intellectual property around the use of the drug for these indications, such as treating osteoarthritis and, and other musculoskeletal conditions. Uh, and we've broadened that um, use of this drug over a number of new indications for which people had no idea that the drug actually worked in, in some of these other indications. Uh, so our, our research team, uh, led by um, Dr. Ravi Krishnan, have done a great job in developing new data um, around the use of pentazan polysulfate sodium in a number of other um, conditions such as heart failure, acute respiratory distress syndrome, and so on and so on. So there's a number of different new indications for this drug. It really is quite a, an amazing drug. So we are very, very fortunate to be in that position to have exclusive supply from the German company. And, and is that how the business model will pan out, that you will um, subcontract out the, the, the supply production from the Germans and you will sell it directly yourselves? Or will you, um, I don't know, how's the monetization of the drug going to be worked? Yes, so the, the German company supplies the product to us uh, as an active pharmaceutical ingredient. Um, okay. So in the industry, that's known as the API, active pharmaceutical right. ingredient. We then take the API and we formulate that into a solution for injection. And so we Paradigm then finishes uh, the production of what is known in the industry as the, the final product. So the final product is then manufactured by Paradigm's contractors. We're then in a position to do, uh, once we get registration, we would do an agreement with a pharma company who has sales and marketing and distribution channels. We would then uh, say to them that we would sell our drug to that pharmaceutical company at a price and therefore make what we call a manufacturing margin. They would then take the product, sell it, market it, and we would then, in terms of an exclusive supplier to that company, get a royalty, so a percentage of their sales or their profits back to Paradigm for the exclusive rights to market the product in various jurisdictions. Right. So, so you're getting sort of a wholesale price for the product and then a, a kicker with the royalty uh, from the pharmaceutical company, depending on the sales. Correct. Well, that seems a pretty uh, low risk business model. I think so. It's, it's a well-trodden path in the pharmaceutical industry that uh, a lot of pharmaceutical companies uh, wait for the asset to get into phase three or, or get registered and then say, well, we can pick it up from here because their, their expertise really is in the sales, marketing, distribution. So it's, sure. it's bringing a product to them on a, on a platter, um, which they're happy to then take and uh, obviously share some of the uh, upside of the the sales and profits to the company in in return for um, taking the risk and doing all the development costs and things like that. Sure. So so twenty twenty five is kind of um, 
the um, the target, I guess, mm -hmm. in terms in terms of the end of the phase three. So, and you, and you're recruiting patients now. How how hard is it to recruit the patients? Well, it's um, it's a situation where we are recruiting patients every day. There is a large number of people who are looking to move into uh, osteoarthritis trials. However, we are quite selective in terms of the patients that we take into the trial. So there's lots and right. lots of people out there who want to be part of the trial, but we don't take every person. And the reason for that, Henry, is that we want to make sure that those people have a similar level of osteoarthritis to everyone else. Uh, the, the real market need, if you like, is, is in the area of moderate to severe osteoarthritis. So when we do uh, study design, we say we want to recruit people and this is the inclusion criteria and then there are exclusion criteria. So the inclusion criteria would be that subjects have to have a certain level of osteoarthritis before they get in, in, invited into the trial. And then there are exclusion criteria as well, uh, which might mean that somebody is... Um, uh, not able to join the trial because of one of the other exclusion criteria, which could be body mass index, for example. Some some people may um, uh, be simply too small or too big to participate in the trial because, again, you want to get a, a relatively homogeneous group in your clinical trial at the end of the day. So um, we have large numbers of people uh, expressing interest. Um, we're, we're about to announce... Uh, some websites where people can go on to and uh, look at the program, register their interest, um, do some a preliminary questionnaire to see if they'd be um, uh, accepted into the trial and then make a, um, an inquiry and then the clinical trial sites, the nurses will contact them, uh, get them in for assessment and then the patient goes on from there. Um, that sounds great. Uh, what, what I was going to ask you, you talk about this being a, an injectable. Mm -hmm. Is this a, is this a once off or is this a, a program or is this a, uh, a, it has to be done over the lifetime of, of uh, the, the patient? How does it work in terms of physicality? Yes, again, a great question, Henry. This is uh, what we refer to as a course of treatment. So the course of treatment might be one or two in subcutaneous injections per week for a period of six weeks. And right. under a trial condition, uh, people go and see the doctor and the doctor and the nurse administers the drug according to the protocol. Looking forward and, and when the product is out on the market, there are many uh, drugs that are administered subcutaneously. So this is a very fine needle uh, into the layer of um, fatty tissue, uh, generally around the abdomen and the patient injects themselves. Um, okay. I know people who've uh, got type one diabetes have been injecting insulin in that manner for many, many uh, years. Um, more recently, some of the um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis medications are administered subcutaneously as well. And, and we are currently working on an auto-injector so that um, basically when we're talking about the product being registered, the patient would see the doctor, the doctor would do the initial consult, the prescription, the patient would go to the pharmacy and get a um, an auto-injector, which is a device that contains the drug. They put it against their uh, abdomen, 
and the device then tells them to remove the device and the needle comes out, injects the product, and then it retracts. And it's a very safe, uh, uh, very convenient way of administering the drug. And it's, it's, it's done by the patient, so they're not having to go back and forward to the doctor. But to answer your question in simple form, it would be either six or 12 injections uh, over that six week period. And that's it then for 12 months. Right. So looking at the, the boring side of the company <laughs> in terms of cash, mm. how, much, how much cash have you guys got at present and what's the sort of quarterly burn uh, that you're going through and do you see a need for, um, for obviously more raisings down the track? Well, um, at the moment we have uh, reported at the end of December around about $93 million Australian and uh, we, we have a burn rate of around about 10 to $15 million Australian per quarter. And, right. and that number uh, will increase over time as we recruit more subjects and as we open up more study centres. And that's a way of uh, obviously fast-tracking the whole process and getting to the end game much faster by opening more centres. So the burn rate will go up, but we monitor it very closely. And obviously what we're looking at is um, our, our cash needs over the rest of uh, this calendar year and, and beyond. Um, we have always been very uh, frugal with our spend as a company. We, we spend around about 80% of our burn goes directly to a, a clinical program of some sort or a preclinical program. And um, we, we do uh, also attract the R&D tax incentive, which is a 43% a uh, cash rebate from the federal government for money invested into clinical trial research. Hmm. The other question I was going to ask was, you know, in terms of competition, are there other guys out there working on similar lines? I mean, this the drug that you've, you're sort of... Um, bending to your will and adding the special source, it has been around. Are there other people that are potentially adding their special source to it? Could we see competing products in this space? Or do you think you've got it all to yourself, at least for the time being? I think we have it all to ourselves for the um, foreseeable future. But it's not to say that um, some other pharmaceutical company might deliver or, or develop what they believe is the holy grail and bring that compound to market, which is could be quite different to xylosol. It could um, have a completely different uh, mechanism of how it works and treat osteoarthritis in a different manner. There's always that risk. Um, the reality is that many people have tried over many years and um, we still have very um, limited safe and effective drugs for treating people with osteoarthritis conditions of of pain and joint stiffness. So many people have tried and many people have failed. And I think one of the um, very special aspects of this drug and why we're so delighted to have it exclusively, um, and this is going back to the work of, again, Dr. Krishnan and his R&D team at Paradigm, is they've identified that this drug has multiple mechanisms of action, which is quite different to the traditional pharmaceutical, which tends to have a very significant and specific target, and people refer to it as a silver bullet. So in other words, it's just one target, and the drug addresses that one target. But with a 
a disease like osteoarthritis, like many chronic diseases, you have many different pathways that are upregulated, downregulated uh, throughout the, um, the disease process. And you probably need a multimodal drug or a multi-acting drug um, to treat a chronic disease. And so what we found is that uh, pentazan polysulfate sodium acts at a number of different levels uh, within the uh, osteoarthritis disease. We know that it protects cartilage breakdown. We know that it improves blood flow to the bone that's under the cartilage. We know that it's also a very uh, potent anti-inflammatory drug. So all of these mechanisms uh, collectively go to treat the disease in its totality as opposed to one particular aspect of it. Just say, for example, um, anti-inflammatory. If you just take an anti-inflammatory, that anti-inflammatory is not guaranteed to increase the blood flow to the bone under the cartilage, that anti-inflammatory may not uh, protect the um, cartilage from further breakdown. So to, to really address the um, disease and, and have that addressed over a longer period of time, you, you need this multi-acting drug, which is what this xylosol does. It all sounds really exciting, Paul. Um, what can we expect in the next sort of 12 to to 18 months in terms of milestones. There's something that we should be looking out for, uh, some steps along the way to get to 2025 when um, hopefully everything uh, gets the big green light. Yes, well, I think, um, Henry, we saw one of these big uh, milestones towards the end of last year, um, 2022, last quarter. We, we had a um, what we call as a disease-modifying trial where we're looking at the drug and its effects on can we modify the course of the disease? Can we slow the disease down by measuring biomarkers in the synovial fluid or the fluid within the knee joint? And we reported on that that um, we saw a significant uh, change between the patients who got the drug versus patients who got placebo or saline. We actually saw the people with saline, their disease biomarkers went up. However, in the um, the xylosol-treated uh, cohorts, their disease biomarkers went down. So giving very strong signals that the drug is, is working as we expect on all these different um, pathways within the disease. Uh, now, uh, the reason I mention that is that we also uh, mentioned or, or cited in that release that uh, the subjects also had statistically significant improvements in their pain level and they also had statistically significant improvements in their um, knee function, or in other words, uh, significant improvements in the uh, less stiffness of the joint. And what's coming up in at the end of uh, March this uh, year, 2023 calendar year, we are expecting to have a six-month follow-up of those people who were in that, uh, what we call the disease-modifying study. So again, what we're looking for are um, examples of people who have the same type of osteoarthritis as in our phase three trial. They're being treated with the drug in the same treatment regimen that I outlined before, which is the same treatment regimen in our phase three trial. And we're, we're looking there for similarities. We're looking to say, okay, how is the disease process going at six months? Are we still seeing uh, improvement in the xylosol group versus um, uh, advancement of the disease in placebo? Are we seeing um, 
significant improvements in the, the pain and the function scores? And are we seeing changes on MRIs? So these um, uh, same subjects will have MRIs at a six-month time point. So bear in mind they had their drug uh, in the first six weeks and now we're six months post the administration of the drug and we're looking at the MRI to see if we can see changes uh, in the joint itself, like improvements in the uh, bone marrow lesions. We're looking at seeing improvements in cartilage volume and, and things like that to, again, demonstrate that the, the drug is working at that level of improving the joint, even though the people have osteoarthritis when they come into the trial. In, in terms of uh, further announcements, we will be announcing um, at the end of uh, March, again, early April, that um, Paradigm has uh, presented some data at a very significant um, scientific uh, osteoarthritis conference in the United States. So we've been invited to uh, present those data and uh, that's a, a very significant um, milestone for the company. We hope around the middle of the year we'll be able to announce that we're through um, a recruitment of our stage, first stage in the phase three study. So that's around about 470 subjects enrolled and that will give, again, investors a, a clear understanding of, of our timelines and how close we are to meeting that um, uh, deadline in, in 2025. Uh, we'll also have some announcements around uh, potential transactions, uh, companies wanting to partner with Paradigm for the use of this drug in osteoarthritis, but also uh, the use of the drug in um, a related, um, can, well, a related in that subjects who have a particular genetic disorder also have unresolved pain and joint problems. So we're looking at uh, applying the drug to a rare disease and uh, pharmaceutical companies, some of them specialise in rare diseases. We're in uh, discussions with those companies right now about the possibility of them um, taking out one of these agreements where they pay us a, a fee. Um, when they sign the agreement, they then pay milestone fees as we reach further regulatory part, um, uh, milestones. And then when we get the product registered, they then pay for some of the costs for the registration and then they pay uh, Paradigm a royalty on their sales. So we, we hope to have some of those announcements later this year, probably after um, June, maybe into the new financial year, we might have some news around commercial transactions, which I think means for a lot of investors that pharmaceutical companies are seeing the, the value in what we're doing in terms of publishing our data, um, seeing the effects of preserving the, the joint, uh, preserving cartilage and all this type of thing. And they want to get involved with this uh, fantastic uh, opportunity. Paul, it is a fantastic opportunity. And there are millions and millions of people around the world I know cheering on you guys uh, to hopefully get a, a treatment for this very debilitating disease. So I wish you all the best. I can see why Ben uh, Clark at TMS Capital was so enthusiastic about me having a chat to you guys. Easy to get enthusiastic about this. It sounds as if you're uh, well on the right path and really looking forward to the next 12 months and the milestones to come. So thank you very much, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and I wish you well. Well, thank you, Henry. And just before we finish, could I just do a big shout out to all of my colleagues at Paradigm? I, they, they do the 
the bulk of the work. Obviously, they, they've done a, a brilliant job thus far in, in making sure that we've um, ticked all of the boxes. We've got to this point. Um, I, I wouldn't be here without them, so I would like to just acknowledge what a great job they've done. And uh, also thank you and your network for the interest in Paradigm. Much appreciated. It's just like the Oscars, isn't it, Paul? <laughs> well, I'm not going to slap you, Henry, if that's where you... <laughs> it's hard to do on a virtual meeting. But, Paul, thank you very much. You've been great, and I really enjoyed chatting to you. No worries. Thank you, Henry. Take care. And you.